Welcome to GodPod. This is a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre, based in St Melitus College, which is a community of people studying and teaching Christian theology here in the UK and around the world. Graham Tomlin, Mike Lloyd and the occasional guest join me, Jane Williams, in discussing God, life, theology, in fact, just about anything. Well, hello everyone and uh, welcome back to another GodPod discussion. And today it um, is me, Graham Tomlin, we also have... Uh, Jane and Mike, Jane Williams and Michael Lloyd. Hello. Hello, the usual squad. The usual squad are here again. So here we are, and uh, we are going to pitch our way into another series of questions. Well, we say series of questions. Very often we only ever get, you know, get beyond the first one. And we'll see how we do today. And then we make it up. (laughs) We always make it up. Um, But today we are going to pitch in on a question which was sent in to us by, um, by Paula Champion. So Paula, thank you very much for sending in your question and by the way other people who are listening to this I'm um, just a reminder that you can email in questions to Godpod um, and um, please do that and you'll find the uh, um, the email address I should know the email address shouldn't I really but it'll be there on the website uh, you can email in to um, uh, to Godpod to um, uh, any, any question you want to ask we can't promise to answer all of them but we uh, often pick a question that we find particularly interesting and have a go at it which is what we're going to do today so our question from Paula is this. Could you please tell me where Christianity stands on reincarnation? As a previous so-called spiritual person, I find I've, I very much believed in the universe, karma and reincarnation. I had experiences such as my five-year-old telling me that her sibling used to be her father before and such like. So Paul is asking this question. By the way, she says um, she loves listening to the God Pod while walking her dogs. Whether the dogs like listening to God Pod or not, but there we go. Um, so Give some something to chew over. Uh, very good, very good, very good. So reincarnation. What does the Christian faith think and say about the idea of reincarnation? Well, it seems to me and and to the Christian faith, and <laughs> um, has done uh, over the years, um, to be problematic for a number of reasons. <coughs> One is the way it suggests that our body is nothing to do with who we are. Hmm. It kind of suggests the the real me is nothing to do with my body. It can be put into a different body, uh, or indeed to a different culture, or to a different century, um, to a different language, and it makes no difference to who I am. Well, that's an odd view of, of what it is to be a human being, I think. Uh, I think human being is a physical being god makes the physical world in genesis one and pronounces it to be very good and that includes its physicality he uh, becomes flesh in the person of jesus christ he is dies physically he is raised physically he ascends physically he uses physical things like the sacraments as vehicles of his presence uh, it's actually intrinsic to who we are as human beings. Our bodies are intrinsic to who we are. Now, <clears throat> that's not without its problems as well, because we get injured, we get you know, all sorts of things. Uh, we have huge incapacities and strokes and things that, that 
but but that's the thing they do kind of impact on who we are those things because mm. we are physical beings um, and I think that's one of the one of the initial problems mm. that Orthodox Christianity would see with the concept of incarnation and I suppose that, reincarnation that, I suppose one that very much follows from that is is the sense of the particularity of God's action um, God's action and interaction with us is not um, a sort of generic kind of action, but um, but a, a particular one. So uh, when God becomes incarnate, it's as a particular person at a particular point in history. Um, and if you take that, uh, <coughs> if you take that away, then you've actually lost the reality of that in of that particular um, revelation of what of what God is like living in our history. Um, and likewise, God's interaction with each one of us is not. Um, identical. Uh, it's it's actually, although it's the same God that we all encounter, it is a, a, a something that draws us personally into um, that relationship. So again, the sense that um, that you can uh, you can detach um, a, that that particular encounter um, between us and our reality and and God. Um, and make it in some sense mythical, some, something that that would fit any time, any place, any mm. set of relationships. Um, it seems to undermine the whole way in which um, we encounter God uh, as recounted in the Bible. Mm. There's, it's this particular set of history in, in which um, we see uh, God interacting with, with people. And that's the, the place from which we then interpret all our other, all, <coughs> all the rest of history, all our other relationships. Mm. Yeah, because I guess it's some, when you think of that word reincarnation, and I suppose as Christians we don't, Christians have not tended to believe in reincarnation, but we have believed in incarnation. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> actually, that's pretty central to our, our faith. That we, we have the idea of incarnation, but we don't have reincarnation. And I suppose what that says is that there is a specific moment and person through whom we access and see the face of God. Mm. I suppose the significance of the incarnation is to say that that when we look at the in the face of Jesus Christ, when we look at the actions of Jesus Christ, when we look at the what he is what he what he is and what and what he does, that's what God is like. That's the place we look to tell us what God is like. Not not actually at the rest of history, because the rest of history would give us a very strange idea of what God is like. Some good things happen, some bad things happen. We don't look at nature because in nature some good things happen, some not so good things happen. But what we what we look at is that place, the the, the person of Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. Um, rather than trusting in some kind of process whereby which over time, you know, we insert we ourselves are reincarnated and we keep on coming back in different forms and somehow we'll get there in the end, as it were. I think something about incarnation points to one particular place and, and time, which gives us something we can focus upon as to who God is. And so I suppose that, that difference in incarnation and reincarnation seems to be quite significant in this. I think there's also, I mean, <coughs> there are two things that seems to me that reincarnation is concerned about. It's concerned about survival. Mm. They want me to survive mm. death mm. and actually human beings throughout history have had that hope and that mm. desire and that aspiration and that longing because otherwise life seems a bit ab abrupt and meaningless. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and secondly, it, it, the karma in particular seems to be a hope about justice. Mm. 
that justice will prevail. And again, human beings, are, particularly in situations of oppression, have, have longed for justice. Mm. And, and Christians share those aspirations, but they embody them in, in, in different ways. Um, and in particular, I think that the karma thing that, ah, if something bad happen, happens to you, you must have done something wrong. And if you haven't done something wrong in this life, it must have been in a former life. And that, I think, is, is pastorally very damaging or can be very damaging because it leads us not to have sympathy for somebody because it's their own fault. Um, and if they don't remember it, then it's not totally, there's nothing they can do about it anyway. So you're pastorally paralyzed. Um, and and Christians have always embodied that hope for justice elsewhere. They've embodied it in, in judgment, ultimate judgment. Um, and that's why the letter to the Hebrews, uh, chapter 9, talks about <coughs> it's appointed for mortals to die once, and after that comes judgment. It's one life after which there, there is judgment, rather than lots of lives and you keep bearing the consequences of what you did formerly again and again and again. Uh, you get trapped in this cycle. No, and that, that's, I think, another thing is that we have a sense of history not as being a cycle, but as being a forward movement. That's it's going yeah. somewhere. It's got a destination. That's really, uh, as over against karma, the idea that basically you, <coughs> you never get away with anything. It's going to come back to bite you one day, either in this life or the next or the one after that or whatever. Mm. Um, which in a way is a fairly depressing view of things because there is no forgiveness there's no there's no way out of that I suppose over against karma Christians emphasize grace yeah. it seems to be that that again you're looking into the face of the incarnate one um, you, you think of that you know, the story of the woman taken in, in adultery is this woman who's been caught in bed with someone that she's not married to and in the culture that was a shameful thing and Everyone's sitting around or standing around ready to stone her. <coughs> That's karma. Um, they're about to stone her for what she's, she's done. And Jesus walks in and says, well, let the f- person who's without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, slowly they all drop their stones and walk away. And he says, you know, um, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And that's that's grace. That's, they're, they're fundamentally different. And actually, it's, it's, a, it's a profoundly hopeful vision of life to know that yes there's all kinds of things I've done which rather than waiting for the sword of Damocles to hit me now or in the future there is the possibility of of grace of forgiveness of, of, a, of a new start which is not just about me reaping what I sow that actually what I get is far more than I deserve and so they, you know that seems to be that's what Christians say we believe in you know that that image of Jesus and this 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 woman um, caught in this you know, um, this act uh, is a picture of what God is like. It's a picture of what actually ultimately the universe is full of. It's grace, not karma. It's also, of course, a picture of the fact that, I mean, it's interesting that uh, the woman was presumably not in bed on her own, otherwise she would not be in mm. this position. And the men are not there <laughs> yeah. uh, also uh, being stoned. Yeah. Um, uh, so it, it's also a picture of the fact that um, God might see justice rather differently. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and the picture of karma is, is is an assumption that we know what the proper con- consequences of everything are, um, whereas actually the picture of grace is something much much bigger um, that God may be able to see a whole. Um, I, I I I love that that particular story because there's this sense of interaction. There's the sense that Jesus is actually seeing this woman. Um, 
uh, in a not in a box, not as somebody a- accused of something, but actually seeing her, yes. um, uh, and that sense that that encounter, um, a personal encounter at, at that moment with God, is 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 the deciding moment in our lives. That um, uh, and the decision lies with God. Um, uh, is is an enormously is a completely different um, universe that we're actually, um, and we depend upon to. that ourselves, yes. don't yes. we? We depend upon being seen as not defined by the One, ways we've yes, messed up. Yes. Um, and actually, we live in a culture that kind of does define people by the way they messed up. Uh, so anybody in the public eye who's all by their achievements. All by their, all yeah. by their achievements. Which yeah. becomes a very competitive way of yeah. life. Yeah. You know, I'm defined by the things I've done well. Yeah. Which can be as bad as being defined by the things you've done not so well. And indeed, the press will yeah. build somebody up mm. for doing things well and then enjoy knocking them down for the things that they do badly. And, yeah. Yeah. and, and to be defined by either of those things mm. uh, is a <laughs> recipe for neuroticism. Whereas what we see in the New Testament is... Um, this little baby born and uh, held in the arms of uh, Anna in the temple, um, already the light of the world before he's done anything. Um, So what we see is ourselves um, valued by how much God values us, valued by by the love of God. And what an extraordinary shift that actually is. (coughs) And again, with the woman caught in adultery, the 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 value is not dented by what she's done, Mm. even her own sense of shame at what she's done, other people's anger at what she's done, uh, is 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 not taken away or shifted or dimmed. And if um, (coughs) Christian counterpart to karma is grace, um, maybe the Christian counterpart to reincarnation is resurrection. In that the hope that Christians have is not that we will somehow come back in some other form, that we won't die, we'll just survive and come back as a king or a cabbage or something like that, depending on how you've done in in this life. The Christian hope for life after this one, which is which I think is what reincarnation is yearning for, it's and in some ways it is a it is a testimony to that deep sense that this cannot just be it. Yeah. That when when we die, that can't be just the end of the story. There's something more significant going on, and reincarnation is a kind of expression of that deep, deep human instinct. Um, but I suppose I think that you know the, the the Christian answers that question. Yes, there is something more than this, not just with reincarnation, not with a sort of vague hope that I will somehow come back in some form, but actually something actually bigger than that somehow, which is this hope of of resurrection. So I wonder if we could just tease that one out a little bit, and what. In what way that hope of resurrection is bigger and better than the hope of just coming back in some other format, um, some other physical um, entity? Well, not least, it's being reincarnated into a restored, renewed, healed, glorified mm-hmm. version of who I am now, including my physicality. So the idea of the resurrected body. Yes. So in some ways, Christians do believe in a reincarnation. Christians do believe. But only once. Only once. Into this new resurrected body, which yes. is analogous to the resurrected body that Jesus yes. had. Because, of course, at Easter, we think of not Jesus sort of leaving the body behind, but the body is is now 
somehow similar but not quite the same. It's a kind of continuous with the old body, isn't it? Yes. So that and that continuity is is one of the big differences, isn't it? Um, that the resurrected Jesus is the Jesus shaped by uh, the life and mm. death that he actually yeah. lived. He the marks of the nails the, are, st yeah. are still yeah. um, visible. Uh, and therefore for us as well, we're not leaving behind the people that we have become through the life that we've lived. But we are, mm -hmm. um, but that is going to be, we are assured in some way transformed because the, the guiding principle of, of this resurrection life is the faithful love of God. It's, it's that that makes us able to um, look forward to resurrection because God's love doesn't let go of us and is, is, is eternal. Uh, it's not that there's something in us that is innately eternal. Um, it is that, that God's love for us is eternal. Yeah. And, and what lies the other side of that Christian concept of reincarnation is not another round of pain and blame and uh, punishment, but a realm in which death and crying and sorrow and pain are no more. It, it, that, it, there's a decisive dealing with all of that, yeah, yeah. rather than a renewed cycle of it. Yeah, so it, the Christian <coughs> perspective is a is of a more linear rather than a cyclical Again, view of things, yeah. that actually we're heading to in a particular direction, um, which is actually, I think, is, is communion with God. Mm -hmm. It is fellowship with the one who made us, the one who is full of grace and love and truth and which we glimpse dimly just occasionally in this life we see in the face of Jesus Christ but the hope is that that after this life is over through Christ in the spirit we are able to somehow see the presence of God and be transformed by that presence I guess that's what a, a resurrected body is it's a you know these physical bodies somehow transformed by the presence of the God in whom we suddenly find ourselves um, and so there's a trajectory a direction of that rather than a a cyclical repetitive cycle of, of things um, and that again seems quite significant in in um, Christian views of the future and not least because there's somebody outside the system <coughs> reincarnation is a, tends to be a feels to be a quite impersonal system yeah. I have to work out my own progress mm. by doing better each time yeah. mm. uh, well my experience of that is not encouraging. <laughs> um, if there's somebody outside of that who is going to help me, who can equip me, who can encourage me and ultimately remake me, I, I'm yeah. going to be, well, karma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> karma. Exactly. Karma, yes. Exactly. Good. Um, a fascinating question. So thank you, Paula, very much for that one. And I'm trying desperately to think of a link between that question and the next one, um, but I've failed entirely. Because the next Graham, question, we're disappointing you. Uh, well, I could try, but it would sound rather um, sort of um, lame somehow. Because the next question is about denominations. <laughs> <coughs> yes, that is a bit of a challenge. Isn't it's it? a kind of hard thing. You can talk about you know denominations as you know just repetitive and over and over again. We keep on going. The next generation we form new denominations and everything else. But you can change really your money talk. from one kind of denomination to another. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, that's good. Yes. And can, can you connect that money. to the reading? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Anyway, the question is: This is from Anthony Swift. Um, uh, who says this? My question is: Did Jesus know the church he started would con would continue to split and create denominations? And does God care about denominations? So, given that we have, I don't know how many there are in the world today, numerous hundreds, thousands of Christian denominations, does that matter to God? Is it a natural good thing? <coughs> Was that envisaged as part of the plan for the church? Um, 
Or how do we think about denominations? If you start with the disciples as described in the New Testament, Jesus did know that they were very different kinds of people Hmm. and that they reacted to things very differently. It's one of the things that's really visible if you think about Peter, who was... um, talked first and thought later and think about Thomas who's always the one that comes up with the long complicated um, kind of questions so um, uh, but in the presence of Jesus um, he was he enabled them to notice their differences and on the whole to work together um, so I, I'd, I'd love us to sort of get to, to a, a place where we can see that <coughs> denominations are um they're representing something real about the very different kinds of ways in which we approach God because we're different kinds of people. Um, but if, if, to lay my cards on the table, I, I, I do think that um, the breaking of the church is a, a tragedy and a sin. The, the fragmenting of the church um, is a is a, a deeply um, uh, sad um, and um, and and it's one of the reasons why it makes it harder for people to to believe in the God that we preach, mm. because we don't seem to agree about uh, how to do that. I, I agree with that entirely, and you can tell your grandchildren you were here when Jane when? and I <laughs> first <laughs> agreed. We, we actually do agree about really quite a lot of things. <laughs> um, do you really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I know, but third don't, party. Don't, don't tell them it's that. More fun. <laughs> And did Jesus envisage it, or did he foresee it? He certainly didn't envisage it, but did he foresee it? Probably had a sneaking suspicion, or mm. why would he, the high priestly prayer have been about praying for their unity? Mm. Uh, if he didn't foresee the possibility of division, mm. he knew human nature well enough to know that that was a pretty formidable possibility. Mm. I suppose, it, I mean, there have been lots of... Um, I mean, the ecumenical movement is something that's sort of come and gone in, in um, recent years. It was a sort of big thing throughout the 20th century, the, 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 the urge towards visible unity in the church. Um, arguably, it sort of flagged a bit towards the end of the last century at the moment. But I suppose if you think of that, what is the, the goal? I mean, Jane, you were talking about, you know, um, disunity being a scandal in the church. What then do you envisage? Do you envisage one kind of universal organization of the church? Because I guess there are particular churches that claim that, Orthodox Church, Catholic Church, or whatever it might, might be. Um, I guess in the Anglican Church, we've always said we are only part of the one ha- ha- holy Catholic apostolic church. Um, we've never really claimed to be the whole thing. Um, but I, I, how, how do you envisage, you know, if the ecumenical movement was successful, if we were able to overcome the denominational differences that were, are there, what would that look like? Would it be the universal church of God or Jesus Christ or something like that? Or, uh, do you have a sense of what that might look like? Hmm. I mean, it's almost unimaginable, isn't it? Um, I, I think one of the sort of starting points is that we um, have this deep and uh, abiding sinful uh, reaction to uh, people who are not like us, which is to assume that they are threatening. Um, and if if we could... Uh, begin to believe that somebody who is um, who expresses Christian discipleship, um, but is doing that in in ways that are not the ways that I would do it, that might be a gift. It might be a, um, a, an exciting way to explore something more about God. 
um, and uh, and how that works out in terms of organisation. Well, I'm a theologian. I'm not really very interested in, in, in that. I can see that it's got to um, and that you've got to think about how do we actually do this. But I think part of the problem with with the ecumenical movement is that we've started to um, we've put too much emphasis on how do we um, how do we change the structures uh, and the more successful kind of ecumenical dialogues have tended to look at what do we actually hold in common. Um, and uh, and there's surprising amounts that we actually hold in common, and that we can see um, from a from a, another expression of, of Christian um, life that they also hold something that is precious to the whole of the, of the Christian body. And what can we do in common is is also yeah, that's <coughs> a very significant yeah. um, mission in all its different varieties and tones. We could stand together on issues of justice. We could stand together on mm. issues of the environment. We could do evangelism together we'll mm. there are all sorts of things we could pray together we could worship together all sorts of things it's part of me i wants to make a bit of a defense of denominations in one sense because i think there's a there's a there's a dark side to denominations which is when we split apart because we cannot agree and we sort of hurl insults at each other and we call each other antichrist and we do all that kind of terrible thing but i think you know, the hint of it is what you said earlier on that sometimes <coughs> In the best sense, denominations can express uh, partly different cultures and different personalities, and some some denominations have come out of particular cultural settings. You know, Anglicanism is somehow inseparable from somehow being English. It is the Anglicana Ecclesia. It came out of Christianity in this particular part of the world. It sort of spread its right way around the world, but and therefore it's really changed in all kinds of ways by being. Um, African, Indian. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And has then been enriched yeah. by those wider yeah. cultures. And so you know, denominations can be enriched by those those um, those wider things. And I, I quite like the idea that we don't think that we are the whole <coughs> Christian church. We're just part of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Um, and so I suppose I, 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 well, I quite like the um, the approach, that I think, that um, uh, Paul Murray in, in Durham takes this idea of receptive ecumenism. The idea that... that um, in ecumenism, we're not actually thinking of some great sort of master organization church, you know, headed up by some supreme sort of body or whatever. But but actually we're thinking about, I think, this idea that each each denomination, each strand of the Christian church has a gift to give to the whole. God is bigger than all our denominations because he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who is beyond our imagination, not limitless, not without definition, uh, but beyond the imagination of anyone. So... If you could think of the different denominations, what is the gift that that denomination has to the wider church? So, for example, you know, the Lutherans um, have this extraordinary insight that justification is by faith, that trust is at the basis of our relationship with God. So that's simply the, you know, the primary gifts that the Lutheran church has to the rest of the church. And, you know, that's increasingly been recognized. And whereas at the Reformation, it was resisted and, and so on. But now increasingly churches across the world are recognizing, yeah, that's true, you know, that actually faith trust is at the basis of our relationship with God. You've got to work out then how that relates to works and everything else. But that idea that each denomination is a gift to give to the whole and that together it enables us to glimpse something of the greatness and glory of God. But I, In that sense, denominations might be a good thing. But I would love us not to, not to completely duck the question, although I'm intending to duck it, of, of what, uh, what mm. a more visible unity looks like. 
because um, if we are together, the body of Christ, um, then we are left with that um, that that picture that Paul gives us of a, a foot thinking it's the whole body or a hand thinking it's the whole body, uh, and and uh, that that must just be so frustrating from a uh, from a divine point of view that, that all of us thinking we are. Um, the church separately, whereas uh, and therefore failing to be able to function um, because we are attempting to function without these um, vital parts of uh, of our reality and and breaking apart the body of Christ. Yes, if if you took the don that analogy and merged it with too strong a view of high view of denominations, you'd have a, a body that didn't work very yes, well. Yes. Mm. Um, which is what we perhaps have. actually have. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And and I do think the world tends to listen to us more when we work together mm. than, it, than it does. I remember students saying to me that when I was an undergrad, when I was a chaplain in Cambridge, um, we're, we're, some non-Christian people saying, we're going to this mission because all the different churches are working together. Uh, so we'll, we'll go along and see what they've got to say. When it's just one, we don't bother. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's true. The other, the other thing is, I think the vision that Revelation gives us of the final uh, kind of glorified human community in the presence of God is, is a remarkable one. And one of the things I particularly like about it is, is the kings of the earth bringing the splendor into it. Mm. I, all, all the different cultures, all the different languages, all the different rituals and, and lang- kind of linguistic forms and poetic forms and genre and music and everything being contributing to the extraordinary <coughs> human experience in the presence of God. Um, it's hard to imagine denominationism existing there. It's hard to imagine that We'll have you know, an Anglican wing here and a Lutheran <laughs> wing there and a Catholic wing there. And, a, mm. and, and therefore, if that's the goal, shouldn't we be moving towards it formally mm. here? I agree with you that the way to do that is not to begin with the structure, but it's got to impact the mm. structure somehow mm. at some point, hasn't it? Absolutely. And that, that vision that the people of God have only one destination. <coughs> Um, and uh, so, so we might as well start to prepare to enjoy it now. Right. <laughs> uh, are we actually, you know, the, the thought that we might get to heaven and think, "Oh my goodness, do I is heaven shared by all?" That that's a hilarious picture, isn't it? And and the, and the sense that we might be unfitting ourselves to enjoy the the, the, the presence of the people of God in the glory of God. That's um, really yeah. That's really I believe in kind of redeemed denominations. Um, I suppose I, I, I still feel that it's kind of it's a bit it's a bit like you know when you you know we talked about in previous God pods how um, uh, the body of the resurrected body of Christ still bears the marks of His passion mm-hmm. that somehow our resurrected bodies will be shaped in some ways by what we have been and what we what we are the resurrection doesn't erode and and erase our past. There's a link with the previous. Uh discussion that's right. right it sort of it links in you know it's somehow it, it's kind of how you know what i will be in my resurrection bodies in some way continuous with what i am now and i suppose i think you know for better or worse i've spent most of my life learning to pray and 
relate to God within this particular part of the Christian church, which is called the Anglican Church. Mm. Uh, not entirely. I grew up as a Baptist. That shaped me in lots of ways. That's kind of who I am. Now, ultimately, I'm fundamentally a Christian before I'm an Anglican or a Baptist or anything else. That's not the most important thing about me, but it has shaped the way that mm-hmm. I am. And I, I suppose I find it hard to think that even in the resurrection, that will be entirely erased from me. I think hopefully the worst parts of Anglicanism um, will be erased from me because there are some bad bits of any Surely denomination. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I, I suppose I, I hope that as we, I, what I sort of imagine within the coming together of all Christians is that, that there'll be that ability to receive the gifts of each other. Uh, in a way that we don't always do now, because we sort of view each other with suspicion and difference. So we, I mean, we find we seem to find it hard to imagine a kind of unity that isn't uniformity. Hmm. But that that revelation vision that Mike was so beautifully describing is definitely not uniformity. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, that's right. And <clears throat> no, I mean, like you, Graham, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to. Um, Liturgies written by Cranmer, new ones written by Cranmer, <laughs> yes. um, music composed, yeah. new, new music composed by Handel. Um, I'm sure you would, yeah. Uh, all, all that sort of thing, and, and I'm sure lots of gamelang orchestras and, 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 and that kind of thing. Um, but I'm not sure that the, the divisions are a necessary part of that contribution. Mm. I agree that the contribution will be lasting and permanent in some transformed way, but I'm not sure that. Yeah, I suppose what I'm envisaging is, could you imagine denominations without divisions in the sense of uh, viewing them positively as different ways of praying, different ways of, of seeing the, the big picture of God, but not in a divisive way, I'm better than you, or, or you know, I've got things more clearly than you. Or you can't worship here. Exactly, or... that's right, yeah. You know, it, could you imagine you know, different types of praying, different forms of spirituality, different sort of histories, which contribute to the whole? Um and when you do see that in action, which you sometimes really do when uh, you get a group of Christians from very different kinds of traditions mm, mm. Um, and there is no sense of pressure that they must become similar, mm, mm. but that they really can genuinely show show people this is what has formed me and it's glorious mm. uh, and then recognize that what's formed somebody else is also mm. glorious um, uh, and uh, and rejoice in mm. that rather than feeling yep. um, the need to demolish it and make yep. it one and to enjoy participating in it <coughs> even if you don't like going to make it your yeah. base font way of, of yep. worshiping yep. i do think the different styles of worship capture different aspects of the, of the yeah. person of god and therefore in some way shape or form will need to be taken up into <coughs> the new transformed yeah. people of god um Thank you. Well, today we have ranged over quite a number of different things we've done reincarnation and denominations Shows the um, I don't know, shows something I suppose about um, um about something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we sort of find some links between those two things as well. Yeah. So anyway, thank you to um, uh, Paula and to Anthony for uh, those questions. Uh, please do keep those questions coming in, and um, uh, that's the end of today's God Pod. Um, thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank right you, Jane. Thank you. And uh, we will see you all again sometime soon. Pod, a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org. 
can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try. <laughs>